give a real treat now. Uh, we are about to hear from Jen Rood, who will be preaching for us today. Uh, Jen is just, Jen's a dear friend of mine. I love her, she's great. Um, but that's not why she's preaching today. Uh, Jen is the campus pastor at Pacific Lutheran University. Before that, she uh, worked in an organization that advocated and supported queer pastors and seminarians. She worked doing pastoral care and crisis response for street-based young adults in Chicago and was also actually one of, she was extraordinarily ordained as one of the first queer folks ordained in her denomination, the ELCA. So she's, she's great and I love hearing from her and it's such a treat. So we're super excited to hear from her. But before we do that, we are going to hear our scripture. And so will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we give thanks for your presence in our lives and your presence in our world. And we pray that we will experience that presence today as we hear the reading of your word for us. Amen. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rules of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report him to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. They opened their treasure chest and presented to him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. This past Christmas season, the December 21st solstice brought a rare phenomenon the great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, aligning in their orbit such that, from the Earth's perspective, they looked like one giant star. It was the closest great conjunction since the year 1623, and the first to be easily observable since 1226. Johannes Kepler, a key figure in the scientific revolution in the 17th century, and the first to correctly explain the motion of the planets, 
theorized that based on his calculations, there was a great conjunction around the time of the birth of Jesus. And so maybe the star of Bethlehem from Matthew's gospel was actually this great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. So with a case of FOMO, not wanting to miss this rare sighting, and also remembering that I told Pastor Ben that I'd preach on Epiphany and hoping for a really cool sermon illustration, my spouse Deb and I took off in search of the star, reminiscent of the star those wise ones followed thousands of years ago to Jesus. We looked one night briefly, but were socked in by clouds. Another night, we got caught up in one of those delightfully terrible Netflix Christmas movies, and so we forgot. But then the next night, which we figured was close enough to December 21st, Deb and I bundled up and we went outside, walking around our neighborhood to look for the Bethlehem star. We were not prepared travelers. We couldn't remember what time was best for viewing or really which direction we were supposed to look. So we did see some lovely stars and some stars that were actually planes. We saw lots of cool Christmas lights on neighbors' houses and Christmas trees in high-rise windows, but no great conjunction, no Christmas star. We missed this once-in-a-lifetime experience. So I don't have a great sermon illustration about the amazing power of that bright planet star and the spiritual connection I felt to those wise men searching for Jesus so long ago, Those wise men were likely Zoroastrian priests, scholars, astrologers from the East, and they followed this star on a long journey. But they must have also had trouble locating the star on some nights, because the star doesn't lead the wise men directly to the child Jesus. They end up six miles off course, arriving first in Jerusalem. So the star's guiding powers are off a little, or at least their calculations are, Or maybe it's their expectations that lead them astray, certain that a king would be found in the power center, city of Jerusalem. What they encounter in Jerusalem is power in the form of King Herod. And yet Matthew's text says that Herod and all of Jerusalem, he must have taken some sort of survey, all of Jerusalem were frightened by the presence of the wise men from the east. Now the east included several countries and territories, many of which were historic enemies of Israel. Perhaps that explains the fear. I wonder, too, if Herod felt caught off guard. Apparently, a so-called Messiah was born a mere six miles from him, and yet he missed it. But yet the message had already reached wise men from afar. What could this reveal about Herod's fragile power? Epiphany is the season of revelation, of God revealing God's self. And like that elusive great conjunction, how many of us miss it? Maybe our vision is clouded by busyness or stress or apathy. Maybe we don't really know what direction to look. Maybe we even thought we saw God, but then no, that was something else. Or maybe we're too caught up in our own power to notice such an insignificant event. But who does notice when God shows up? Well, in this story, it's people from a distant country, from another religion, from enemy territory. These are the ones who recognize God's revelation in Jesus. They find Jesus, pay homage to him, and offer him gifts. And it's a lovely story about how one might respond to Epiphany, to God's revelation. 
Of course, Herod also responds to this revealing, and Herod's response is murder and death. Just after the passage we heard today, Herod orders the murder of all toddler boys born in and around Jerusalem. In his attempt to eliminate this possible threat, who would challenge his power. And so heartbreakingly, what seems to be revealed in this epiphany story is that Jesus enters the world and yet the world does not seem to change much. Violence is still in charge, power and corruption prevail, innocent lives are lost, families are devastated. It doesn't take much imagination to reveal such reality to us. Just this week, a violent mob incited by the president stormed the Capitol while Congress met to certify the presidential election. And this last year revealed so many horrors of injustice, inequity, how close too many people are to poverty, hopelessness, deep-seated racism. Where is Jesus in the midst of that? Did we miss God's revelation like I missed the revealing of the once-in-a-lifetime Great Conjunction Or did it just not make a difference? The word epiphany sounds like it always comes with an exclamation point and jazz hands. A blast of light, a once in a lifetime star, planet, sighting, an aha moment, epiphany. But really, it seems to be much slower and quieter than that. The light of stars can take years to get to our eyes. The journey of the wise men was long and indirect. The child, Jesus, still had many years to grow up before he started his ministry. He's already an adult by the next chapter in Matthew's Gospel, but we know that's not really how life works. Epiphany is actually much more like wandering around Tacoma, not being able to locate the planetary phenomenon, or following a star and ending up six miles off course. Or like waiting for massively slow political change or the frustratingly slow, bumpy rollout of a life-saving vaccine. When an epiphany happens, we still might look around and things look pretty much the same. Unlike this giant, bright, once-in-a-lifetime planet alignment that people all over the world, other than me, saw... This epiphany, God's revelation in Jesus, is really small and undramatic. One small family, one small town, a few out-of-town visitors, a brief visit, a few gifts. So easy to miss. And yet, God showing up is not a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's not a dramatic grand conjunction. Which also means it can be hard to see this revelation, the ways God is showing up, especially when things don't seem to change all that much. With the student congregation at PLU, each week during the offering time, where we don't collect money because they're college students, students offer up where they have seen or experienced God in the past week. It's a practice we've been doing for several years in order to attune ourselves more to noticing the ways that God is revealing God's self in our lives and in our world. And it reminds us all that God's revelation is not one and done. And it's not always a lifetime 
jaw-dropping, once-in-a-lifetime, jaw-dropping experience. Sometimes it's pretty mundane. Some of the offering stories that students share are about experiencing God in creation, like when an out-of-state student goes to Rainier for the first time, or when you see a rainbow after weeks and weeks of rain. But often the stories are about other people. Being invited to join a friend's family for Christmas because your mom has COVID and you can't go home this year. A compassionate friend who celebrated with you when you revealed your true gender identity. A grandma who mailed you a fabric advent wreath for your residence hall room, a joy that others can see in your Zoom frame. God showed up in Jesus a couple thousand years ago, an epiphany revealing. And it seems that God continues to show up, sometimes even in us. I wonder then, might we be one of God's epiphanies? Although 2020 revealed a lot of awfulness, yes. In smaller ways, 2020 revealed other things to us too. Resilience, gratitude, care, compassion. Might these be the slow, quiet, undramatic epiphanies of God's revelations among us? Epiphany is not a once-in-a-lifetime event. Epiphany is ongoing as God continues to be revealed. We continue to reveal who God is with our lives. We are Epiphany people. Which doesn't mean that we have to be bright and cheery with exclamation points and jazz hands, although it could be fun. But we are called to be people who reveal God which might make us look inside ourselves and at those around us and think, yikes, exclamation point, jazz hands. But as it turns out, it's in the darkness of night, in out-of-the-way places and insignificant people, in the midst of a corrupt government, in communities torn apart by violence, in those who despair, this is exactly where epiphany happens, where God shows up. So if we look around and think, ugh, can anything good come out of here, out of this, out of me? Then yes, it's really the perfect place to be on the lookout for God's epiphany. Maybe even in you. As contemporary astronomer Nigel Henvest remarked in a recent article in Forbes about this great conjunction. Here, are two, here we are two millennia later and a similar conjunction is about to happen within four days of Christmas. Maybe a new Messiah is about to be born. I hope the answer to that is yes. Maybe he's always being born. A slow, quiet, undramatic, ongoing epiphany.